The Borough Mag podcast tells the stories of the players, managers and moments that defined Middlesbrough Football Club. Listen to the triumphs, turbulence, heartbreak and joy of being a fan as we look back at the history of the Borough. of the Borough Mag podcast. Thanks a lot to all of you who've been commenting on posts and sharing them and listening to all the different podcasts. We've really, really appreciated it so far. We've got something a little bit different this week. Um, normally we've had some players on or we've had some fan interviews, but this week we're going to delve into a season review. So hopefully in the future we'll be looking at players, we'll be looking at famous games and different moments. But this one, we're looking at the 94-95 season, that very, very last season at Ayrson Park. when Brian Robson arrived and turned a lot of people uh, onto the borough and started off that Riverside revolution that came later on. I'm joined by two people who you'll know from reading Borough Mag and seeing them all over social media. Uh, I'm joined again by Ian Smith. Hi, Ian. Hi, mate. You're all right. Yeah, not too bad. I'm very Good. fortunate to be joined by world famous author um, living across the pond as well. You know, us borough lads do get around. And it's the author <laughs> of You Joking, Aren't You? Tom Flight. Hi, Tom. Hi, Rob. How's, how's it going? Yeah, not too bad. So hopefully we're going to try and um, jog a few of your memories with a little bit of a review of the 94-95 season. And it's certainly um, one that got me switched on to Borough when I, I realised that Brian Robson was signing. After a brief little dalliance as a Man United fan because they were winning everything, um, when Robson turned and became a Borough manager. Um, Ian, can you tell us a bit sort of um, where we were as a club just before Robson signed? Yeah, yeah. Um... I mean, obviously, we come out of the Premier League in '92. Well, after '92, '93 season, and I think, like most teams that get relegated from the from the top division, there's always that expectation that you're going to sort of bounce straight back. Um, and I think, really, I mean, we started off really well under Lenny in '93, '94, but then it quickly became apparent that the season was going to sort of dwindle out into an anticlimactic state, really. Um, and being talked about the new stadium, and that was mentioned, and. I think even before the season had finished, um, well, I think Lenny actually left. I think it was two games before the season ended. I think John Pickering took it, didn't he? Um, and there were a lot of chat about who was coming in. I think it was a bit of an open secret that, that Robbo was on his way. And and Steve Gibson obviously took over at this point as well. So things were sort of starting to turn around a bit. And it kind of, I don't know, I think to be honest, fans after you know what had been a bit of a topsy-turvy couple of seasons... Um, it was time to press the reset button, I think. And uh, the club obviously managed to attract Brian Robson, who obviously only a couple of months earlier had been lifting the Premier League title. Um, and it was exciting times. And it was definitely for a fan like myself, even at nine, I, I was still aware of just how big a change this was going to be for the Borough. Um, and it almost seemed uh, otherworldly, if you like, to go from uh, what I would call, I know it sounds a little bit sort of uh, derogatory flag, but grey managers such as you. I know Colin Todd was a good player in his own right, but 
players, people that didn't really excite young fans, especially trying to draw the young crowd in. And um, Robbo definitely had that effect on me. And even my dad, who's takes a lot to get him excited, is um, <laughs> a bit of a pessimist, if you like. Uh, even he said to me, "Look, son, this is a big deal." So, so yeah, it was um, exciting times for Borough fans, definitely. What about yourself, Tom? Where were you in your sort of Borough fan journey when when Robson arrived? Yeah, so um, this is kind of where it all began for me, really. This was like the first season where I really kind of became a football fan. Like this, this was the first team where I kind of learned every player and I kind of followed every game. Um, I don't, I can't really remember um, any any time before this season. And I imagine that I just kind of got um, swept away with kind of the buzz of Robson coming, and uh, you know Gibson took over as chairman, I guess that summer. And I guess there was a whole um, you know, it felt like we we're going into a new era. So I, all my friends at school, um, they were all Borough fans, and like my my family didn't didn't come from Middlesbrough, so I didn't have the kind of legacy of being a Borough fan from I didn't inherit it from my parents or anything. But my friends at school obviously did, and I think uh, maybe it just it it kind of felt like it was a really exciting time. Um, so I, I went to my first game this season, and I I can I just remember us being the best team in the league. The stadium was rocking, and it was great. Yeah, it was a great time, wasn't it? I think someone like Robson having such sort of cachet, when you're a young fan, you probably don't realise it, do you? It's more from what comes from above, if you like, from parents or other people's yeah. parents and friends and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, definitely. That summer, Robson yeah. had a bit of money to spend, which wasn't really like what Borough would be doing at that point, especially all the way through the 80s and the early 90s. But I read in his, um, his autobiography, I think he said that he was given £2 million or just over £2 million to spend in that summer. Um, it's funny now to think that our first ever million-pound signing was a right-back, Neil Cox. <laughs> it's not really one of those signings that sort of really ignites you and sparks off that excitement, is it? It doesn't, but I think um, obviously, you know, with being being respectful to the club's history, um, we hadn't really made waves in the transfer market in an exciting way for a little while. Um, and I think, irrespective of whether it was a right back or a goalkeeper, I think it was just the cachet that came with that one million pound sort of fee. Um, it definitely, I think it 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 made fans aware if they weren't already aware that we were going places. Um, to be able to, and he'd only been an England under twenty one international lots so long earlier as well, and it come down from the Premier League. Um, so yeah, I think it kind of signalled our ambitions from the off, and I think it was it just it just sort of showed exactly what Gibson was thinking, where we were going to go, we were going to make these groundbreaking signings, we were going to start ruffling a few feathers, if you like. Um, like I say, we'd come from modest sort of background, um, and we were about to push ourselves to the forefront of uh, of English football, really. Um, so yeah, no, definitely we made, we made some standout signings that summer for sure. And when um, when Pearson and uh, Miller joined as well, Tom, it's obvious that Robson was trying to sort out the back line at first. Um, Pearson was a pretty incredible player to get, especially as a captain, someone who played in the Premier League, played in cup finals, and he, he turned out to be a pretty good leader all the way through that season, didn't he? Yeah, and I think I think that's kind of a, um, an important point about that transfer window. And I think it has kind of uh, similarities with the team now. I think um, the, the relegation 93 was pretty brutal the way it kind of ended. And I think in the 93, 94 season, there was kind of a bit of a malaise at the club. And I think um, a big thing that Robson did, it, it wasn't just the quality of signings, but it was the type of people he brought in. Yeah. So you had yeah. Robson, who was, Robson who was a leader and then Pearson was a leader. 
Um, it's similar to like people like Crooks and Bamber in the squad now. You can see that you can see there's a change. Yeah. So Ian, with that, with those new signings in the back line, it obviously was the fact that we were trying to strengthen that area from the season before. But we had some pretty good players still all around, didn't we? Going forwards. Yeah, sure. I mean, if you look at um, there was players such as the likes. I know is he polarizes opinion, but the likes of Curtis Fleming were still there, and Steve Vickers, solid players at champ. Well, first division, wasn't it back then? Um, but solid players at second tier level, um, and obviously you had going further forward, the likes of Jamie Pollock and Musto in midfield as well. So we had the solid base of a sort of a defensive minded. Um, side that you know I mean it kind of jars with what Robson wanted to do actually where Robson was a quite cavalier attacking football that sort of stuff so it, it just kind of jar with that perception of his of how he liked to play that he didn't make his first few signings as such say defenders such as Pearson and Cox um, but yeah no I mean the service at the Pulse is racing in Ayrson Park that's for sure Yeah I think Tom in terms of the, in terms of those attackers so we, we've got that strong back line you've got Miller Cox um, you've got Pearson within there what did you make of those sort of forward lines? Because it was quite different then, wasn't it? You know, with the sort of little and large, if you like, that we had up front. Yeah, with uh, like Hendry and Wilkinson. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. I, I mean, I think um, like I was watching the, the review of the season and like I just, you just forget how good like Hendry was at this point. I feel like he was just, it was just, it was at his absolute peak. I guess he was kind of like, you know, on a cusp of turning 30, he was, he looked fit. And particularly in that first half of the season, he was just, um, he was just, he was unstoppable. He kind of, it kind of reminds me of like with Salah or Liverpool right now, he's kind of a similar age and he's just kind of like just hit that peak where he's just kind of like everything's going right for him. I kind of felt that was what was going on with Hendry during the season. Yeah. Um, Wilkinson was, um, I mean, I think he, I think he struggled a little bit this season. Uh, ultimately, that's why we ended up having to bring in Fuchs and uh, Fjortoft. Um, I mean, Hig- I, it's interesting because I, I kind of forgot, but last week when Higgins was talking about how every season under Robbo, he uh, he kind of wasn't in the plans, but he didn't really start featuring until later on uh, after a couple of months. But I mean, he made he made a, a huge impact. I thought. Yeah, it was it was certainly yeah. an interesting setup because it was still a quite a traditional four four two a lot of the time as well, wasn't it? And I think one of the things yeah. that I remember, especially watching sort of ITV, the big match that used to be on which kind of yeah. meant you could get local games, couldn't you, a lot of the time, yeah. is that the fact that Robson was playing centre midfield in a lot of those games, and you think that yeah. someone who'd been, you know, at the level that he'd been at, coming from Man United especially, and then coming into the Borough side, I remember the very the first game of the season, which was that Burnley game, and it was the cla- it's the classic um, like August game, isn't it? Sunshine, yeah. green grass, new kits. Obviously, we had you can see the red of the shirts time. in the ground, can't you? Yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. one of those things where when you see that game, you see Robson controlling the centre of the midfield, and then Hendry, like you say, Tom, he's, he was absolutely on fire, wasn't he? Um, yeah. And I think that that was it. Kind of set the tone more than anything, didn't it? Yeah, because so many like I, there's a few like goals early on in that season. I think Hendry scores like the first four goals, doesn't he? Yeah, it looks yeah. like it looks like there's a couple where like the balls just launch up the field, and he just somehow just like latches onto it and just goes on and scores. Like he's just he's just unstoppable. Well, so there was two goals in the in the opening game. There was the one where, if you remember, it was in net for Burnley as well. It was a certain Marlon Beresford that messed up. I think oh, for yeah. the goal in the in the first game. Yeah. Um, but I always remember the two goals that Andrew scored at Roots Hall as well against Southend. Um, a couple of really smart finishes, like one with the outside of his right boot as well. I think just talking about what you were on about Hendry earlier, I don't think, I mean, 
a lot of a lot of fans like ourselves who obviously remember that era really well um, will always appreciate him. But it still baffles me to this day that he never got a cap for Scotland as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you see how lethal he was at sort of second tier level, and let's face it, Scotland weren't pulling up any trees, were they, in the nineties either? So it's, it just baffles me. I never got any international recognition at all. Yeah, it's yeah. incredible. Yeah, it does seem, especially in that season. I'd made a note before, actually, and I think Tom, you alluded to it a little bit earlier. That by by Christmas, Henry was already on thirteen goals that season. Which for a team who were quite solid, quite determined, you looked down. I, I was looking at the Borough complete record where it's got all the, the goal scorers and all the results and everything. We weren't blowing teams away. We were very solid. Um, but Henry, by that point, he was he was not. We weren't a one man team, but we certainly were starting to dominate a little bit. Um, yeah. In terms of looking at the start of that season, it was a it was a pretty good start actually. And I do remember as a kid thinking, you know, are you ever going to get beat? Because you look so much better than other teams. But if yeah. you look at those sort of early results, I think the one that really, really sticks out for me in the October was that 5-1 at Luton, which just felt, as a kid, I think that was when, like, Red... Was it Red Raw? Yeah, it was Red Raw at the time, wasn't it? It had come out. Yeah. It was, like, showing the games that had been through. And you think, how has this team lost 5-1? It just felt really weird. Yeah, it yeah. did. It was... Um... I feel a bit sorry for Stephen Pears actually, because he only played a handful of games that season, and that was one of them. Um, and obviously, I know he got his testimony at the end of the season, but it it still sticks with me now that it seems like a really sort of um, undignified way of ending his Borough career by um, really having a, an uncharacteristically off day um, at Luton. But because I still I seem to remember John Artson ripped us apart that day as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it was. Uh, Strange one that I didn't really see it coming. I know we'd, we got beaten by Tranmere the the week earlier at home, which was another strange result. But yeah, I didn't see five one coming. I, I was gonna say because I, I come uh, like I said, this was kind of the first season where I really kind of followed the Borough squad, and I can remember like being in my friends having such a low opinion of Steven Steve Pears. Like we just thought, oh, he's just all these pasty rubbish, and like I didn't really appreciate like what a legend he was. And I think it was games like this where we kind of formed that opinion of him, which was like totally unfair. Yeah, I, I agree. Actually, I think that's a really strange one because I remember um, I, I, I'd been to Ayrson Park a little bit in the 92-93 season. I, 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 can't, I don't know if I went actually during this season, but I definitely went to the testimonial. And I was thinking, this is the player that we're giving a testimonial to. He's been sat on the bench all season. He didn't really do anything. We've lost <laughs> games when he's played in goal. Can this keep him from Arsenal? Why, why are we bothered about someone like that? But I suppose that shows just the naivety of when you start being a fan, don't you, at the start? You, you don't really know who these players are or what these players uh, are. And I think someone like someone like Jamie Pollock, on the flip side, because he was starting games, because he was young, he felt like someone who you were sort of more attached to than these players who've been there since 86. You didn't know that the club had... Well, I mean, I didn't know at the time the club had possibly gone out of out of business stuff. I just saw these this sort of young player like Pollock and even Musto was quite young at the time, sort of driving us forward more than anything. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's, I know what you mean. And I think it's quite easy as well as young fans. I mean, I felt it myself a little bit. I can still remember quite well, but, you know, sort of being nine and 10 and because obviously these new players were coming in and, and you know, you can, you, you can summarize decent wages, big transfer fees, etc. It's quite easy to sort of, not get carried away and, and forget about the, the old guard, if you like. But yeah, it seemed like, um, you know, like the same with Pears. You know, we've got Alan Miller, we just paid 500k for him. Why are we bothered about Stephen Pears? But I still remember Pears from when 
pre prior to that season. I think it was only a couple of seasons earlier. He, he got an England call up. Yeah, but um, yeah. then then as I think he got an injury, so they were, were going to play. Was it Czechoslovakia? I think it was. So yeah, no, it it just it did seem a bit strange when you look back to think. Well, it was a funny old end to his career at Borough. But yeah, no, I mean, obviously we had like say like some Musto Pollock. These are players you could really get attached to as a young lad growing up. Definitely that that team that that we sort of built for me started the move away from that sort of late eighties team that we'd had. The early yeah. 90s where we sort of, you know, we had the 91, 92 under Lawrence. We got promoted. We were in the Premier League for a little bit. So you look at that sort of side and there's no Bernie Slavin in it anymore. Um, Stephen Pears is on the way out a little bit. You're bringing these sort of newer players in. In terms of sort of that old guard, I, sp- I suppose you could class someone like Robbie Musto as part of that um, in a way. Um, and John Hendry and people like that. But another new player that we brought in that season was, uh, was Clayton Blackmore. Now, quite an interesting one because it felt at the time that we were just going to end up with a load of United all boys. I think a few other players had sort of been linked with us as well, hadn't they? But what about some of someone like Blackmore who comes in? Maybe you don't have that attachment to him. I mean, I didn't know a lot about him. I don't know about you two, but I didn't really know who he was. But he just kind of seemed like this player who just floated around the pitch and kind of didn't really have a position. And we didn't really know what he did half the time. Yeah, I know. Um, I mean, I, I can remember him thinking he, he was a great kind of like dead ball guy. Like he could like on free kicks and corner. Um, I think I think he was another kind of he was a good person possibly to have in the dressing room, like because he'd been United through the Ferguson years and he was in the squad when they won the Premier League. I think maybe he was a good good player to have a, have around. Uh, I read his autobiography actually, and um, he talks about how that season meant a lot to him because he never won the football league championship with United. Um, yeah. So he, he he wanted to come with Robin Rob with Robbo to he was really desperate to win it. Um, so I think I think in that sense he was he was a good signing. I don't know if yeah. you guys remember as well though how strange it was that he actually had his testimonial at Ayrson Park with us oh, rather yeah. than having it at yeah. Old Trafford. I mean I'm presuming yeah. that was obviously to give it a better atmosphere and, and ensure that a ground was filled and it seemed a little bit more uh, appropriate for a testimony. Because not one obviously wanted to, to to dumb him down slightly, but I would imagine that he wouldn't have maybe attracted a full a full crowd at Old Trafford perhaps. Even though yeah. obviously he was a useful player for United over the years, but I always remember back then thinking, "Why are we giving this guy a testimonial? He's only been here five minutes." Yeah, <laughs> it is interesting what you remember about that time as well as a kid. Was that was the Blackmore testimony at the start of the season? It was, yeah. Friendlies, because sure I, I think it... I seem to think actually it might have been after the season started. I don't know if I remember oh, right, that right okay. or not. It might have been a couple of games in, and it was like a midweek game on a night time. Because oh, okay. um, I, I I don't know if I don't know if I remember this wrong or not, but I think I actually went to the game, but. I don't remember a lot, a right lot about it, apart from watch, obviously watching the highlights package on the the VHS you get at the end of the season. But um, yeah, I just think I just remember thinking it was really strange how we were hosting his testimonial. But there we are. Yeah, it is. It is an odd one, isn't it? But like you say, I mean, he obviously was quite a good servant of the club in the end, Blackmore, wasn't he? But yeah, yeah, definitely you know, a little bit of a patchy appearance record. I think he probably had a few injuries through the season, but definitely was a useful player through the season. I think someone who who you could probably argue really stood out. Um, in that season uh, was Alan Moore and I think that he was a real real attacking threat that sort of set us apart in that division I think a lot of us probably remember that goal that he got against Sunderland oh, where wow. he sort of just totally destroys the whole defence I know that you're uh, you've got a bit of a, a liking for a Borough winger aren't you Ian so what was your uh, what was your memories of Moore on that wing well it's like for me it started off with Stuart Ripley and then um when Ripley broke my heart and moved to Blackburn, um, 
it soon got so it's, it was soon replaced by more. Yeah, my memories were really just a, a young, exciting winger who not only had the pace, but the ball seemed to stick to him as well. Mm. And he had this sort of, he used to drop his shoulder this way and that way. And I think the goal against Sunderland as well that you referred to, the way he just sort of dropped his shoulder there to sort of move past the right back and the way he slammed it into the top corner. But I remember seeing him, I know we're talking about the 94-95 season, but I remember seeing him the season before um, when he, uh, I think he made his debut actually at the back end of the Premier League season at if I'm honest. Um, but the breakout season of him was like the season before. And I remember being sat at the, at the away end at Notts County when he scored on his debut. Well, not his, sorry, not his debut, as we say, but he scored a couple of goals and set up the other two. And I can remember thinking then, wow, we've got some player. Um, and I <laughs> I actually got laughed at a few years ago. I did a um, an interview with, with Jimmy Lee on Borough Fan TV. And he asked me my favourite all, all-time player of Borough was. And I said, one of them was Alan Moore, um, which he... I think he almost had to pick himself up on the floor for laughing his head off. But I think if you if you remember back back to them first couple of seasons until he got the injuries, I think if he'd not had the injuries, he could have gone on to play. He could have gone on to play for whoever he wanted because I really think he was that good. Um, yeah, and I, th- and I think any you would put him against any fullback in the championship, or I think if he'd have been at full fitness in the Premier League, and he would have had them worried definitely. Yeah, I was just thinking that about, I absolutely love that goal he scored against Sunderland because um, the because uh, what I love about uh, looking back at this season is just those nets at the uh, Essen Park. Yeah, like uh, that kind of old school with like the stanchion and the corner. Like when he hits that corner and it bounces straight back out, yeah. this looks so good. Yeah, it was in. It was it was it was such a a, a strange thought, wasn't it, that this was the final season at Essen Park because you had so many. Um, I'm not going to say memories because obviously not not for me particularly, but certainly for other fans. And when you see it back and you see the goals and you see the Holgate end and you see the way the state stadium sort of constructed, um, you know the murmurs around that whether it was going to be a very different club the following season would obviously have a new stadium. There was already plans, I think, uh, foot for a training ground, and it really was sort of quite a big a big transition. And you know we started really well, we played well all the way up till the Christmas. Uh, we didn't have lots of you know bad runs that Borough have been sort of accustomed to in the past. But, you know, as is a little bit typical with Borough, after that, you know, joyous first few months of the season, we start to get that little bit of fatigue and, you know, things start to start to set in a little bit. And, you know, we struggle for goals a little bit in some of the games. And then Robson turns to Uwe Fuchs sort of as this sort of the turn of the year, January, February time comes round. Um, and what, what a massive impact he had. And I suppose the thing is, Tom, for us, do you think, especially thinking about 96, 97, I know you've wrote a length about it, do you think that was kind of when the club started to turn and shift and we started to look at it in a little bit of a different direction to maybe what we had done before? Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. I think, um, yeah, the signing of, uh, yeah, Fuchs definitely represented that. And also, um, uh, Moreno came in as well. I yeah. mean, that was like that was really, like, kind of, like, out there signing. Um, it was such an alien sign as well at that time, weren't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, um, and I think, um, and I, th- and I love that Fuchs signing. It just kind of um, brought our season to life a bit because, like, like I said, Hendry had that amazing start, but then he kind of, he kind of like tailored off a little bit after Christmas, and Wilkinson just couldn't get going. Um, so I think having Fuchs come in, he just, um, I mean, that his patch of scoring was just like was was insane. Um, but yeah, I think I think definitely there was definitely it, it, that was kind of like the first time that you realised that Middlesbrough were going to be big spenders. 
Um, I, I obviously had no idea we we're going to be spending to the limits to the lengths we were one or two years later. Uh, but yeah, that was definitely the start of it, I think. Just on Uwe Fuchs as well. I think I think obviously everyone's got their own memories of Uwe. Um, but the one that sticks out for me, apart from the, <laughs> weren't funny at the time, but his sending off was, uh, didn't see that coming, to be fair, the, the, the waist-high tackle. Um, yeah. But the hat-trick he got against Bristol City, um, I can still remember that day vividly because I weren't sat in my normal seat as well. I was sat behind the goal opposite the Holgate. Um, and the, I don't know if anyone, any, either used to have been a part of Roy the Lion fan club. Um <laughs> But there was like they had like an open day where he went to like a bit of a training session at Ayrson Park and that sort of thing, and they chucked us in some seats behind the goal at the, as I say at the opposite end of, of the of Ayrson Park, opposite the Holgate. And I saw I remember a couple of the goals that he slammed in at that side, and just I remember being stood there in front of the crowd and thinking, "Where's all his teeth?" Was it <laughs> <laughs> just there? <laughs> Bless him. But yeah, such a. I think well, I think the word galvanized gets used quite a lot for for these sort of instances, but. I think his arrival and the, the goals he scored definitely um, reignited the campaign, didn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that, that Bristol City game where, where Fuchs scores a hat-trick and you've got, when you think about it, you had, he basically played up front with Jaime Moreno in that game. And as you were saying before, Tom, it was, it was kind of this really sort of different style of football that I suppose you were starting to see in England with these other players coming from different countries. I think Moreno might have set up one, at least one, maybe two of the goals. But... Um, I mean, like you say, that that run that he had was was pretty spectacular, to be honest. And it felt like inevitable that he was going to score in those games. I think one of the ones that I remember, and it was especially for for a Robson goal actually, um, was the home game against Port Vale, uh, the three 0 oh, yeah. win. Oh, yeah. And Robson scores yeah. that where he slams it in from what twenty yards out or twenty odd yards out from outside the box. It was absolutely brilliant. But he he really did move that that team forward, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um... Um, I, I, I mean, it's, it's just kind of like, because I, I can remember when he came in, he, he scored something like nine in was it five or six games. Um, I just, uh, I can remember just kind of being shocked that then he just kind of disappeared. Like, I, I, I mean, Robson obviously didn't think he could do it in the Premier League. But I can, I can remember thinking he just, he, my, my impression of him was that he was just this awesome centre forward. Like, he could just, he was just like unstoppable. Um, yeah. Yeah, sorry, no. I, I'm just thinking, if you look back at his career as well, I mean, apart from um, the late 80s in Germany, where I think he scored, I think it was about at least, I think it was like a goal every other game for Fortuna Colm. Um, he'd never really hit a hot streak anywhere else. Um, yeah. So it was a strange one that he, you know, sort of just basically, I don't, all the stars must have aligned when he signed. And yeah, I think everything he touched, like I say, turned to gold and went in, didn't it? <laughs> I think my favourite thing about Ube was just all those... Uh... Rumors about him dating Jet. <laughs> there's, there's, there's just nothing more like nineties than that than a Boris Rager <laughs> romantic, romantically linked with a gladiator. Didn't John Hendry meant to have? Um, didn't he poke fun at him and, and get a black eye? Or was that some urban myth or something? Oh, there must have oh, been yeah. some massive urban myths in that team with that drinking yeah. culture of Robson arrived. <laughs> but it's funny how that's such like a, a a mash of like you say, Tom, those 90s influences in that what 94, 95 gladiators is massive, and we've got Uwe Fuchs stomping around when you know it's a bit, yeah. it's a bit mad, isn't it? Really? And that, that red card produced one of the best headlines ever was like Uwe Uwe Fuchs off. Yeah. <laughs> red card. 
Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. He must have been <laughs> thought a headline maker's dream with a surname yeah. like that as well. Someone was definitely had that in the Gazette office right from the start. Didn't they? <laughs> yeah. I'm not actually I'm not actually sure, you know, but on one of the games on the VHS, I'm not sure if it was either Dave Roberts, because they used to do some of the commentary, didn't yeah, on some yeah. of the um VHS editions, but someone actually someone actually described it as well, I don't know what the expletives are like on this program, but someone described it the other way. And I can remember saying it at home quite a few <laughs> times to my dad. And thinking I can get away with this because you can you can sort of like you can pronounce it a couple of couple of ways, and he knew exactly what I was doing as well. But yeah, um, I remember thinking, God, not only is he scoring goals, but it allows me to swear as well. The ten-year-old, fantastic. <laughs> he he did feel like he did feel like when when you'd supported that team or you started supporting team that team around that era, it was almost like he was the first star that you got behind. So obviously Robson yeah. was the Robson was the player manager. He was a big star at United. But we didn't have a clue what he was like in the eighties and how big he was. You just knew he'd come from Man United, who won the Premier League. But I think when he got when we got Fuchs, it felt like do you know what? we've actually got a bit of a star here. So when we get to the sort of the end of or near the end of March, and then we start getting linked with Fjortoft, basically almost spending again what we'd spent in the in the summer, one point three million. He's someone who scored a lot of goals for Swindon at that point in the season, but. Did it did it strike you as I mean maybe more when you look back than when you were a kid because when you were a kid you just think oh wow we're signing another player but did it sort of strike you as a little bit of little bit of desperation or, or thinking that the club were like do you know what? we we have to get promoted this season because otherwise we're gonna have this giant stadium in the first division uh, a little bit yeah I, I would I would say so I mean it reminds me a little bit of the ninety seven ninety eight season as well where we sort of threw our lot in and brought in the likes of Branker and Armstrong and Rickard mm. um, with the, you know, month, you know, just a couple of months left to go of the season. But yeah, with the 94-95 season, with us only having one automatic promotion slot as well, because they were reducing the teams in the Premier League, weren't they? It did feel like it was sort of boom or bust, if you like. Um, so yeah, maybe there was a little bit of desperation there. But I, yeah, I mean, I think Jan's, Jan's signing as well. I think it was... Uh, yeah, I think actually, I say only, but I think he only scored three, didn't he, once in that season when he came in um, after scoring, what, 20-odd goals, I think, for Swindon prior to yeah. joining. Um, but yeah, no, I think, yeah, maybe there was a little bit of desperation, but I think I think we're always destined to finish champions. I think it felt that way. I think, like you said, Rob, earlier like earlier in the season, it kind of felt like we were, we were unbeatable. So it kind of always, always felt like it was going to be, you know, we were going to be champions, but... Maybe Robson just, you know, and the only way he knows how, perhaps throw a bit of money at it and we'll, we'll, it'll help us succeed. Yeah, similar to uh, a little bit like in 2016 when we signed Jordan Rhodes. Absolutely. Kind of like, yeah, we're not, we're, not, we're not scoring enough. Let's just sign the best record in the league. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and know, then ruin him, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, um, my, my first game was, uh, my first ever Borough game was actually against Swindon that season. And uh, Fiotov scored for Swindon. And I can kind of remember him being like the, Kind of like the elite striker in the league, uh, so I, I can remember being really excited when he signed. I, I, I absolutely loved him because he was another one that he'd, he'd had quite a, a decent career before he'd gone to Swindon, scored quite a lot of goals, hadn't he? I think he'd scored quite a few in the, in the Premier League as well. I'm sure I was listening to him and he said he didn't score for like the first 15 games in the Prem, but then scored like 17 and 18 games when they went down because it was such an attacking team. But I, I mean, my my sort of lasting memory of, of Fjord is, is him in the the away shirt, the sort of the green shirt that, you know, yeah. is, is fond, 
has a lot of fond memories for a lot of us. But I think it was the I think it was the Barnsley away game, was it? Where it was absolute torrential rain, and he sort of That's gets right. the ball, it stops, he spins back inside and curls it in the top corner. And I think that it certainly sort of showed some of the skills that he had leading into next season. But it was quite an interesting mix with him and Fuchs together, was it? Because I'm not I'm not hundred percent certain it actually worked that well between the two of them. Towards the end of that season, I, I just remember Kyotov kind of playing in those last few games and Fuchs had kind of, um, I, I was after the red card or maybe it was not about that, but Fuchs just kind of seemed to tailor off a little bit, maybe after that Port Vale game. And um, Kyotov kind of kind of stepped into that, to the void that he left. But yeah, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it, was, it was a nearly ending towards the season. We weren't like pulling up trees at the end there. It wasn't like in 98 when we, you know, we were being Oxford and all that. Like it, it, it was a very, um, you know, we, we kind of scraped over the finish line in a way. And we were relying on other teams to kind of uh, not pick up results as well. Um, but yeah, things, weren't, things weren't, weren't going too well. And I think on that last game of the season, and I, and I never really kind of thought, I didn't really, wasn't aware of this at the time, but obviously that last game at Aston Park against Luton, um, you know, it was a must-win game. But obviously, Luton had absolutely hammered us before. So yeah. going into that game, there's absolutely no way that we, uh, that, that was a gimme. And uh, obviously, you know, Hendry was the one who um, he stepped up and got the goals. I think with the Fuchs and Fjortov, though, I don't actually remember them playing together. I mean, I don't know if I'm remembering that wrong at all, but I think you all, I think I almost just assume in my head that I think Fuchs got the red card, didn't he? Um, was it Sheffield United who got the red card against? I think it was. Um, and I think that just sort of ruled his ruled him out for the rest of the season. Um, but yeah, I don't actually remember them two playing together. It almost seemed if it was. Fuchs, Moreno, Fjortov, Hendry, or, or whatever. It just seemed that combination. They never seemed to be on the field at the same time, if I remember rightly anyway. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, just touched on what you just said there, Tom, about the Luton game at the end of the season. Considering we got absolutely thrashed, you know, 5-1 earlier on in that campaign, it definitely wasn't a gimme at all. And I can remember being there, last game of the season, and, you know, an expectant crowd, as you, as you would think. Um, but there was a massive degree of nerves Considering, yeah. you know, it really was a must-win game, considering that if we hadn't won that, then we still had Tranmere to go to on the last game of the season. And that wasn't necessarily um, a foregone conclusion either, because they'd beaten us earlier on in the season too. So there was definitely a lot riding on that. And I think Hendry picked the right time to rediscover his goal-scoring touch. Yeah, I think it was quite fitting, wasn't it, that Hendry was the one who got the goals in that game? Because he'd had such a brilliant start to the season. I think they were the yeah. only two goals he'd scored since more it would have been like since 94 I don't think he scored any other games um, Fjord well, and Fjord Fuchs had a couple of games together but I think like you're saying they, they were pretty much out of it then so it was quite it was quite fitting for Henry I suppose to come back and get those goals in fact I think them two goals he scored actually were the last goals the first goals he'd scored since his hat-trick at Burnley right um, which if you remember that was I think that was an ITV's the big match as well yeah. I think it was um, but yeah so no, he, had a, he had a real barren spell and um even obviously, you know, Fjortov had got a couple of goals and Fuchs had, you know, got his red card. And then, so yeah, I think the pressure was a little bit on Hendry, but it was a nice way to bookend the season. He'd scored twice in the opening day and then twice in the last game at Ayrson Park as well. My memory as a kid, with that being the last game, I remember watching it on TV and they had the big build-up that it was the last game at Ayrson Park. I think they unveiled the, the name of the new stadium and everything, didn't they, whether it was a half They did, yeah. Or... But I always thought, genuinely, for a few years, that that was actually the last game of the whole season. And it was kind of like, we have to win this very, very, very last game to go up. 
Yeah. Then later on, you're like, yeah. we 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 played a game after that. We we drew against Stanley. <laughs> yeah. You build it up so much. Yeah. Like, this this is the last game. Luton's the last ever game, but it wasn't even the last game of the season. No. Yeah, I, I, I could be I could be getting this wrong, but I think the the game ended. We beat Luton, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't definite that we'd gone up. Like I think Bolton were playing midweek. Yeah. And then yeah. so so we thought we still had to go to Tranmere and get a get a result. But then I think Bolton dropped points and then and it was all done. Like I think the Tramia game ended up being meaningless. But after yeah. the Lewin game, it wasn't quite wasn't quite sure. I think is that right? That's correct. Yeah. I still yeah. remember listening to it on the radio because somehow my dad managed to get um uh, Century Radio, I think it was back then. Um I don't know if he just pointed his aerial a certain way on the top of the house, but living in Doncaster, obviously, well out of the area. Um and I think I'm not sure if Century were doing commentary for that game actually because of the importance of it and I can remember just being sat in the in the front room at home going absolutely ballistic when the game finished as it was I think it was a draw like you say um but yeah no it's 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 funny what you say there Rob there there's a, a lot of that where it all obviously the Tramway game didn't matter at the end but yeah it didn't matter so much that yeah a lot of people forget that that, that game actually came afterwards for, yeah definitely yeah I mean 46 games in that season it was it was a tricky one because it was one team in automatic promotion and the rest in the playoffs. And obviously a lot was riding on it for us, especially financially. But we finished the season, 23 wins, so half our games, 13 draws and 10 defeats, 67 scored, which was joint second best out of the top five, and only 40 goals conceded, which was pretty good considering it was probably how we mm-hmm. built a lot of our sort of promotion winning teams, isn't it? With that sort of defence first mentality. And we won the league, we won the league, didn't we? Yeah. By, by three points. And I think that's another thing that we forget is that, Robson had come in, never managed before, was still playing. Obviously, he brought Viv Anderson and Gordon McQueen with him. But he lifted the title in the very, very first season of management and, the, and obviously his first at Borough, which is now, when you think about it, is a massive, massive achievement, isn't it? Absolutely. And say it was his, you know, like I say his first job in management. Um, I can still remember thinking when he came in that, obviously, you know, he's this legend of a player. Um, but even back then, thinking, well... He's got no managerial experience behind him, really. You know, obviously, it was, it was, if you like, you know, a manager on the field, if you like, at United as a captain, but no real managerial experience to speak of. And obviously, got McQueen in, who, you know, who's got his own coaching experience, and Viv Anderson is a, was a wise head as well. But, yeah, to say that he'd come from that and then straight away just sort of took to management as if he'd been doing it all his career um, and took us straight to the title, it's... I mean, I know as Borough fans, we definitely don't... Um, we definitely, we definitely, it's definitely not underrated amongst us, but I definitely think outside of the Borough sphere, if you like, it's probably an underrated achievement to to have sort of come straight from United straight into an alien, you know, sort of position for him and 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 take it in his stride. Yeah, I think I think that um, like in my in my head, I kind of think that his him arriving at Borough just completely just changed the culture uh, and the and the mindset of fans. Like having Robson at the helm, suddenly we just just thought about everything differently like we thought about we felt like we were winners almost just having him there and I think yeah. people talk about that like you know when Robson was on the pitch you felt like you, you're always going to win and I think he just brought that kind of aura with him um like he, he kind of had that he, he has that kind of like unflappable side to his uh demeanor the way he, in his interviews he's kind of monotone he just seems really calm and collected I think later on when like when Burr hadn't won for three months and he was still talking that way I think he would get frustrating but in a season like this, when when things were going well, you just saw Robson and just thought, man, this guy is just so he's he's just, he's 
so in control of this uh, this squad. Um, there's just, there's just, you know, there's just nothing's going to be able to stop us. It's just like you say about that. You mentioned the aura that he had. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can remember the last game of the season. I don't, I don't want to harp on about too much about my own experiences that game, but um, we were, I was lucky enough to. My dad, mum and dad, had paid for hospitality at Ayrson Park, so I was lucky enough after the game to be able to go into the players' lounge and and sort of meet a couple of the players. And I'd always been, and still am now as a 37 year old. Still starstruck by players when you see them, no matter who it is that's playing for the borough. You know, I could bump into, I don't know, Mark Bowler at the, at the Riverside, and I'd still be as starstruck as I was when I met Stuart Ripley or whatever. But there was just something about Brian Robson, like you say, he had that aura. He walked into the, I can still remember him now walking into the room, and I think the room just fell silent. Yeah. But not silent, but everyone was just like, you know, waiting for him to speak. It was, it was strange, really. It was, yeah. it was almost just like waiting for like a, I know a prime minister or a president to speak or something like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, and I, I remember just being stood next to him. There's a picture of my dad getting an autograph because he's just as much of a fanboy as I am when it comes to certain certain players. Anyway, and I come into a photograph of me just stood staring at him, like looking up at him, <laughs> thinking, yeah. you know, wow, is this is this real or am I really imagining this? So yeah, he had that aura and um, and like I say, come from United the year before, and yeah, the calm demeanor, like you said on the pitch, everything just seemed to. He almost felt like it was going to be all right because he was there, sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking about that team that he put together. So looking, looking at basically the, the players who've made the most appearances over that season. So you've got Alan Miller in goal. Then you've got your back four: Neil Cox, Steve Vickers, Nigel Pearson, and Derek White. Now I, I didn't realise he'd made as many appearances as he had that year, but he deputised a little bit for Pearson. He'd filled in at left back for Fleming. I think he was involved in setting up the goal for Hendry, wasn't he? In the yes, uh, in he the was, Luton yeah. game. Yeah. Across the middle, we had Musto, Pollock, Robson and Alan Moore. And then Hendry, obviously, being top scorer. But Wilkinson actually made uh, more appearances than I remembered in that season as well. He, basically, until Uwe Fuchs came, he was he was well amongst it. But he was probably above those two. But you'd probably add in Fuchs or Fjortov. But when you look back at that, and I was thinking about this the other day, I think it probably was one of the best balanced teams that we've had, especially at the sort of second tier level, in terms of a really solid back line, strong midfield with with some decent firepower going forward. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, yeah, in terms of the, the yeah, that team was really well balanced, and I think and we carried that in into the Premier League the next season. I think the particularly the first half of the Premier League season that was like a, a really well balanced side. Um, and I think I don't know. I, I look. I, I watched the uh, the review of it, um, the review of the season. And I obviously Borough we we did have a good game, but I, I couldn't help but thinking that the kind of warning signals a little bit were there. Like we 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 our defense record was good. I think only one team had a better defensive record, but we still managed to let in some really like awful goals. Like there was just some really like just dodgy defending throughout. And I just I just I just got this feeling that, like he said, that Robson, you know, he wanted to get the defense sorted at the start of this season, but then that, he never really kind of paid attention to it ever again. Yeah, I just no. feel like I just feel, I, I kind of feel like it was a really good season, but I feel like the warnings the warning signs were, were there this season uh, as we were making that transition into being like a top Premier League team. I think he knew what excited the fans though as well. So obviously he was looking at uh, when we got promoted the likes of Barnby, and obviously we still had, you know we had Barnby, Hignett, Fjortoff playing that sort of front three. Um, yeah. And I think by that point, and obviously the the transfer market just sort of opened up for us, didn't it? Obviously, we saw with the you know, the ensuing seasons, the top players were brought in. I think it. I think Robson was definitely a sucker for a, a maverick, weren't he? So yeah. I think 
so yeah, like you say, we, we may have started off the Robson era, you know, on the sound footing of a you know Nigel Pearson and Neil Cox. Blackmore was, you know, a utility player could play that in those positions at the back as well. Um, but yeah, it kind of felt like he did not, yeah, maybe did fit, sort of forget that that was defense first, attack after, or whatever. But I don't, I'm not sure I would. I mean, as much as obviously, if it maybe concentrate on the defense slightly more, we might have survived in that 96 97 season. I don't sure, I'm not sure I would have changed any of it because I think some of the football we have played at times, I think we would, it would have been tempered slightly had we had that more defensive mindset that perhaps we should have had. Um, but to me, the memories of the sort of football we played. As daft as it sounds, uh, make it all worthwhile for me, despite the relegations that came. But, but yeah, no, he was he was definitely um, definitely seemed to abandon the defensive nature for a little while. Yeah, I think I think so. I think it's more depth than anything. I think um, with the defense, it was more like when when everyone was fit, we had we were okay. But if Pearson picked up an injury, or if you know Fleming was out, that was when we uh, we struggled. Correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. but from when we signed. Um, Cox and Pearson, so that was like summer 94. Hmm. I think the only two defenders that Robson signed before 98 were Phil Whelan, who was signed and not registered in time. And that was in, I think that was in the February of 94, I think. And then we signed Fester in the January of 97. So if you think all that time we were adding to the forward line, I mean, even yeah. if you just bought in someone for half a million pound or a million pound, not, not a huge star. I mean, I think Fester was only a couple of million, wasn't he? But I think yeah. at that point, I think Chris Morris ended up playing a little bit more, didn't he, in the Premier League season. But it, it, yeah. it wasn't like we bought, like you say, Tom, any extra depth. We probably just needed one other defender who could deputise reasonably well for Pearson. And, you know, that those future seasons would have been a little bit different. But thinking about that, thinking about those seasons, we, we got promoted, we won the league. And then obviously we signed Nick Barnby and we, we, we start on that path for the Riverside. But if I was to ask you now what your, your sort of lasting memory is from that 94-95 uh, season, Ian, I'm going to start with you. What's the thing that you remember the most or whether it's at a game, watching the game, subsequently, what's that, what's that key memory that you hold from that season? Um, a couple of things. I mean, obviously... Um, the, the opening games of the season, you know, was just looking totally dominant. I don't think there's a particular game. I mean, obviously, the Burnley one's an obvious one because it was the opener. Um, but yeah, just the, the the feeling of being invincible, like you were saying earlier. But also for me, and, and a personal memory for myself was obviously being at that Luton game at the last game of the Ayrson Park. I can still remember being stood in the ground. <laughs> I had, I'll admit I had tears strolling down my face a little bit because... As much as the Riverside was an exciting thing, you know, the uh, leaving Ayrson Park seemed a little bit, a bit scary in a way. Um, but yeah, I can still remember I was uh, fortunate to be able to get down to the pitch after the game, long after everyone had gone home. And I can remember being stood, uh, and there were Gordon Cox and Ali Brownlee who were still in the gantry up at the top where, they were, where they'd done the commentary uh, and they were making their way down. But I can still remember being stood in the centre circle. Um, and I look back now, I don't think I really appreciated it back then. Um, but when I look back now, we've still got video. My dad used to take the camcorder everywhere and there's video of me running up and down the pitch and there's just nobody there. And I can still remember now being stood there and screaming out for a football. I mean, can someone get me a football? Because the, the, the nets were still there. They'd not took the nets down or anything like that. The corner flags were still up, you know, and there was enough people milling around from the hospitality area that could have, you could have made like a, a five on five or whatever. And for the life of me in a football stadium, no one had a bag of balls anywhere. So in the end, I had to improvise 
and, and basically I was just running up and down and pretending I was, you know, John Endry or going back to being Bernie Slave and I did the old on the whole gate fence and all that sort of thing. So they're kind of my abiding memories. They're a bit more personal. Um, but yeah, there's obviously the obvious ones with, you know, the goals we scored and the likes of Fuchs coming in when he did. But yeah, I'll always remember just being stood there and I can still remember my dad saying to me, you're not realised, son, until you're older, just how fortunate you were. Just stood there and, and just look around and it was deathly quiet as well. And only an hour or so earlier, it had been, you know, rapturous and, you know, a celebratory mood and all that. And the way it sort of, it kind of just emptied out as it did. Everyone off, obviously went off to the poor ball or whatever and or live locally and back home. And But yeah, we were just stood there and just, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. So yeah, fantastic memories. And um, I never tire of talking about them. So you probably think I'm going on a little bit, but yeah, it's just brilliant to look back. That's awesome. What about for you, Tom? Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, um, uh, like, so th- like, like I said, this was just the first season where I really kind of like became kind of obsessed with football. It was the first time I went to a football match. So my first game was uh, home against Sunderland. Um, I also saw we beat Portsmouth 4-0. Um, I mean, as I became obsessed with Borough and like Borough history, now looking back now, I'm just I'm just so uh, so grateful I got to see like some games at Essen Park, and um, and and like my my memory of it, my memory of Essen Park, and it's because of the season. To me, it's just it, the stadium is absolutely rocking. Like the atmosphere just being awesome. Um, and like watching the highlights back now, like you know, it, it was an awesome time to to go uh, to go see matches. So that's that's why I'm just really um, I'm just really really pleased I got to see it. Unfortunately, I didn't get to go to the last game. Uh, my dad did get tickets, but my brother uh, got a long straw, so we went to that game. Um, and then the other, I mean, the other thing I think the the kits, particularly the away, I mean, the, the away kit is just so good. I know, I know you're the aficionado, uh, Rob, but I mean, I, I, I think it's my um, I think it's my favourite kit ever. Well, you've segued almost perfectly, Tom, into what I was going to say next about what my memory <laughs> was. It was the first ever Borough shirt I got was that away shirt. And so, yeah. I remember getting it. I think it might have been a fiver or a tenner from the club shop, but it was like in April, like the March or April, right near the end of the season. And I think I remember wearing it to like a christening or a, someone's party <laughs> or something when you sort of join later on, like in the club or whatever it was. And I remember thinking like, I'm, wear, I'm wearing a Middlesbrough shirt. You know, I'm a Middlesbrough fan now. I'd had other kits. I'd had Man United kits. I'd had fake kits from on holiday and whatever else. But I feel like seeing that, the red Borough shirt to start with, with the Borough on the collar, and it felt really different. And it was a brand you'd never heard of. And like Dickens, you, you knew where Dickens was because it was a shop that was like near you. And then I got the shirt. And I think that that was like that big sort of explosion in your mind where you think, do you know what? This, this is what I'm a fan now and, and this is my club and it's where I'm from and started to go games the year after at the Riverside. I didn't go to any in that game, as I said before, but that that was kind of what sort of ignited it, I suppose. And I've got both of those shirts um, now in like adult sizes and I've got my own, my first ever shirt. I've still got it, the away shirt, and it's absolutely wrecked because those area shirts were absolutely <laughs> terrible. If you yeah. ever played yeah. football in them. Well, yeah, that, that's definitely my uh, my abiding memory. So, anyone out there who's listening to the podcast, if you've got some great memories from that 94-95 season, just share them with us at the Borough Mag. Um, Ian, Tom, really appreciate your time um, and talking about the 94-95 season. For anyone who's listening out Thank there, you for having us on. Uh, we're going to do some more um, season reviews. We'll talk about some great games and great players and 
Um, hopefully you'll continue listening to us and we really enjoy doing these and uh, along with the magazine we'll keep telling those stories about the borough so if you can like share rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts that'll be much appreciated and we'll see you again soon